The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Love the Lord, all you do. 
Lord preserved the faith of the founders of this house for 120 years. Be strong and let your heart take courage for you to write the world. Our worship this morning. So when Cole and I first started going out together, it was kind of exciting. Anyone remember that? Yes, that's it. You're old enough. I'm going to come back. You're not really 35. Almost 35 years now. Expo was set up at the old age of the Southgate Park and the Arena. I wanted to be able to visit there. The park and all of those, there's only pavilions and displays that you could go along the gazette and visit there at Expo. There was also an amusement park there. And uh, for those of you who like those sorts of things, uh, you might be sure that the main attraction uh, of this particular amusement park was the roller coaster full of the Titans. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, there was a few words and a few lessons there. You know, I'm not a fan of these kind of rides in any way, shape, or form. Um, but when you dig into a fresh pole, I was not going to check it out. He was really keen to go on this particular ride. And so as we got closer to the front of the queue, I could sense my heart rate was sort of starting to increase. You know, the heart, heart, heart sort of starting to pound. But then when we got to, to getting into the car, it started almost beat out of my chest because I realized that we were going to be in the very front seat of this roller coaster. Well, as the cars backed up the ramp, I don't think um, if you've got a good memory, but the roller coaster stuff, you backed up the ramp and then it lets you go and you went down through a tunnel and then into a half loop and then upside down and across and then back to another half loop, through a full loop and then back up to another ramp. But then you went back then you went through a backwards. Yes? Yeah. Well, when we backed up and uh, it let us go, I think I tried to scream, but nothing came out. I was terrified. And it took me just whizzed through this thing and it was sort of tossing and turning and getting thrown backwards and forwards. And all I can remember is that I'm going to pull out of this thing, surely. But finally it slowed and then we got to the point we put off this roller coaster and I said, thank goodness for that. You know, the old legs were sort of shaking and we didn't know what was going I don't know about you, but, you know, life can be a bit like the roller coaster, can't it? Life can be a bit like that. Especially at the moment. You know, we find ourselves in, in constantly changing circumstances. We seem to be going in one direction and then, you know, all of a sudden we're heading in a different direction. We find ourselves being tossed from side to side, tossed upside down, deciding to them, and then scared sometimes to the point of panic. We're not sure who to trust at this current crisis. We're not sure what is safe. And we know that that the freedoms that we've taken for granted in in some ways have been been impacted by what's going on in the world around us. And I'm not just talking about COVID, but even in circumstances in your own life right now. There's so much uncertainty about the future. We're seeing people be angry and fearful and resentful and antagonistic and reclusive. I don't know about you, but you know, I've spoken with, with a number of people over the last you know, several, uh, you know, several months, and, and particularly lately, it's, 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 it's quite a refrain I'm hearing from people is that it just seems as though the very fabric of society is being becoming a part of the change. And it becomes a to, to reflect on, on where we're at. And I was uh, 
initially we promised to do a four-part series on the indications of Jesus, but as I said, just in the last few weeks, God has just been pushing upon my heart. The message we, we really need to hear as the people of God is a message that, that is very much a message that comes to us in Psalm 31 today. And that's why we are praising this particular psalm to be our focus today. In this particular psalm, we, we find the right of David you know, at a point in his life where he also felt his world was crumbling around about him. And he uses some incredibly powerful words to describe his situation. The, the, the middle of this psalm, verses 9 to 13, really, David uses some incredibly descriptive words to, 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 to help us, you know, sort of uh, enter into his, to his suffering and his hardship and his anguish. He speaks about, you know, in verse 9, about being in, in, in distress. He says that his, his eyes are wasted from grief and his soul and his body also. His life is spent with sorrow and his years with sadness. He says, My strength fails because of my iniquity. It's not just the outward circumstances, but David looks at inward at himself and he says, Even my own sin causes me to, you know, to, 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 to lose strength in himself, to be overcome. He says, My bones are wasting away. These are, these are not just kind of, you know, just. Phrases that you chuck out there, are they? These are, these are deep emotions. It's a deep emotional experience for David that he's trying to communicate here to God as he, as he comes before God. He speaks about his adversaries. You know, because of them, he's become a reproach. So people are, are sort of ostracizing him and they're pulling away from him. He's been forgotten like one who is dead. He's become like a a broken pottery vessel, just only used to be to be cast out on the street. It's a bit of a distance in many ways. Fair enough, I'm going to say. People are gathering with this picture first and starting to take the blood. This is probably powerful language, isn't it? The day that you can see in this place. And you can easily see that it is feeling completely and utterly overwhelmed. But what David points out in this psalm is apart from the point, he also points out you know, the image of the world we ourselves can also turn in times of, of the similar kind of turmoil in our own lives. To the comfort that comes from, from trusting in, in, in the God whom David puts his trust in here in this psalm, in his divine providence in our lives. But you think of what this, this, this is what the psalm is really speaking about. David is, is really uh, emphasizing the divine providence of God in his life. I know we've sort of considered much the, the divine providence of God before, but this is just for, for one of a, uh, of, a, of, a, of a description, if you like. Divine providence is God's sovereign, divine superintendence of all things, of everything. Guiding him towards his divinely predetermined ends, but in a way that is consistent with their created nature, and it is all for the glory and praise of God Himself. One commentator helpfully says, "He says in the text, 
that in eternity past, by the counsel of his own will, God ordained all things. All things. You know, nothing happens without God's knowledge and God's uh, consent in those things. Now, that doesn't mean that God is the author of sin, by the way. Bible speaks very much about the fact that human responsibility is always in effect in, in, in alongside God's sovereignty. And we've got to hold those two things in a careful tension. But yes, God is sovereign and God controls all things and God preordains all things, and yet there is this aspect of human responsibility that we have to go to. God is active in that both the willing and the working of his creatures to bring his purpose to end to fulfillment or completion, and God uses even the human uh, will in the midst of that. And if you remember Joseph, when he was sold by his brothers into slavery, and then, you know, when finally his brothers come to him in Egypt, and he's, you know, the second in charge of, of Egypt, and they come to him, and Joseph says to them, you know, he says, do not fear, he says, because what you need for God, in other words, human, human will and human purposes and that sort of thing, he says, God needs for good. God sovereignly was at work in, the, in, that, in, in those human hands and purposes. God was at work in, in the midst of that, bringing about his purposes to fulfill. And so it's God's divine providence that David has here in mind in this time. This gives him assurance and confidence and peace in his heart, even in the midst of such defeat and utter turmoil in his life. And so this morning I want to just highlight four things that we can learn from this psalm. Four things that uh, no matter how challenging and, and, and distressing we might find ourselves, these are four things that we can find confidence in when it comes to God's divine providence. Four things that we can that we need to remember. The first is this that we need to make God our ultimate trust. We need to make God the ultimate trust in our lives. David begins his psalm by saying, In you, O Lord, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, he says, deliver me. God, David knows that God will always act rightly and justly in all things. He will always act perfectly good according to his good character. And so he says, Lord, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. And right up front, David declares his confidence in God. In fact, he, he mentions God as, as a refuge or a shepherd five times in this psalm. God makes clear that, that God, in fact, you know, works 
me to panic. I didn't get it. They didn't get it. And can I expect that any second they can get it? They don't have a fire extinguisher. Look, the guys are going to be there. And Babylon and the, uh, the ruler of the guys, you know, built this huge conception and said that everyone has to bow down and worship the statue. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the king said, Babylon and Meshach and the worship there. And they brought before the fire service. And, uh, and right there, it's, 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 it's wonderful testimony from the Lord. He says, Our God is able to deliver us. But if not, we will not bow down and worship any other God. I have this incredible confidence in God. And it gives God rescue to himself. Mine and miraculously and wonderfully. So regardless of whether God rescued him or not, the, 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 the most important thing in the midst of that, and the most important thing in the midst of that, the most important thing in the midst of that, the most important thing in the midst of that, the most important thing can we say that about ourselves in our own lives today? That in the midst of all that's going on for us right now, and I don't know what may be going on for you, I know that you know, there are some who are experiencing significant turmoil and challenge in their own lives right now. Can you confidently say this morning that it is in God and God alone that you put your trust? It's got to be, that has got to be our declaration of Maybe words that kind of kind of ring a bit of a bell for you. I think I might have heard that before somewhere. Because the words of Jesus Himself are on the cross. There, as He as He as He hung there on the cross, the sacrifice for the sin of mankind. Yours and my sacrifice for for our sin. Jesus said to the Father, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Maybe he was even reciting this psalm in his own mind as he hung there. And of course, it was, it was so, um, you know, it's easy to see why it would be the case. We, we, we look at this psalm and we see what David is experiencing. We, we see that that's so much what would have been, what would have been Jesus' experience there on the cross. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My life is spent with sorrow. My, you know, my strength fails. My bones waste away. I've got all these adversaries around me. I've become a, a reproach to all, an object of dread. Jesus. And folks, that is our security. That is your security today. Did you know that? 
And no matter what happens in this life, you are a redeemed child of God. Firmly, safely, securely, in his grip. We've been purchased by God. We are his children. We are the object of his steadfast love and faithfulness. In verse 7, David says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. We are we people who rejoice and are glad in the steadfast love of God towards us as his people, even when we find ourselves in these incredibly challenging and difficult situations in life. But we, are we able to say, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, Lord? It's a challenge, Scripture reminds us that nothing can take us out of the Father's hand. That's why Paul can so wonderfully and victoriously declare in Romans 8 31 that if God is for us, who can be against us? Again, oftentimes the, the pastors and the, and the services, we don't collude when it comes to putting the order of the service together. We, we try to trust that God will be at work in a particular day. And this morning, again, the name is put that song, If God is for us. Who will be against us? Folks, we sing these songs here on a Sunday. We sing them with our lips. But do we truly believe them in our hearts? And if we do, do we, are we living this stuff out in our lives? Because I think if, you know, the, the, the temptations and the risk is that we can so be, you know, verbally saying to God, yes, you are this and you are your chorus and that sort of stuff, that we can live our lives in total um, opposition to, to that very, that very statement. God has changed our each and every aspect of your life in his history. He knows our ends and our beginnings. Every one of our days is already predetermined. Psalm 139 tells us that. And that nothing can happen to us apart from God's will. That's got to be our confidence. That is David's confidence here in this time. It's got to be our confidence today as God's people living in this time. That God himself, you know, that, 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 that we need not fear anything because ultimately even death itself cannot separate us from the love of God and from his Jesus and our Lord. God can be actually trusted because of his character, of his promises, of his word. And that's why David can say in verse 16, My hands are in your hands. And there are no better hands that we can be in the days of our loving heavenly Father. We need to be reminded afresh and to make God our ultimate trust. But we also need to make prayer our priority. Now, if David finds himself surrounded by his enemies and, and totally at a loss to help himself, he turns to God and says, Lord, incline your ears to me, rescue me fully. So then, verse 2, incline your ears to me. The picture here is of, a, of someone asking someone to, 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 to really draw in close. It's a picture of a, a parent perhaps bending down to hear the whisper of a, of a frightened or a shy child you know, whispering you know, what they, what's their own needs. It's also a picture of a, of a loved one drawing close to the mouth of a person on their sickbed or on their deathbed, straining to hear their requests. David says, Lord, draw near. Come right in close, Lord. Hear my request. Rescue me. 
to the responsibility of the didn't Jesus teach his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread? If we truly take seriously the sovereignty and the providence of God, then he will speak in need for us to come before him in prayer, asking him to meet our every emergency in our life. Consistently sort of go down that path, and it's only when we get to the end of, of, of us that we finally think, oh, maybe I better go to God and pray. Prayer is so often for us the last resort, and that is to the next thing where we first It should instinctively be that automatically comes from the next Lord, we know when we are at home. We know that you are the one who supplies all that we need. And when we come to you humbly day by day, daily to receive our daily bread from you. No matter how hard we work, we cannot receive anything unless it comes to us from the hand of God. And it is God who gives us breath in our lungs in our lives. Now, this morning that you step foot out of, out of your bed and you got up this morning, you know, it's an instinctive thing to sort of get up and say, God, that you day to day work. But in reality, if God wasn't, if God was, didn't have his eye upon you, if God didn't have his hand upon you, then that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't get out of bed. God gives us everything. He gives us the mental capacity to think and to reason. He provides us with the very limited resources we need in order to survive. God has graciously placed us in the era and the location that we now live. You know, I was watching a, a, a documentary just a, a couple of nights ago on, um, I can't remember what it was now, but it was actually about this fellow and he was in India. And this little uh, 10 year old boy um, was working in a, in a glass factory. So the kids would have to, you know, from about five years old, they would wander around the streets and they would pick up pieces of glass and they'd take them to the factory and the glass was melted down and made into the bottle. They relied on child labor. Five years old through to about 10 or 12 years old. One of the kids showed up at home and was actually completely uh, scarred and uh, from, a, from a massive big burn on his arm. You know, from working in this factory. And I thought, I sit here in the country of my own. And I watched a little boy there in the faraway place and they would think about and give him up. And it was only because of the gospel. We need to remember that it is by God's grace this morning we are who we are. And whoever the task is Remember we need to come before God and ask Him each and every day, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and to give thanks to God for all that we have. 
not consistent, not becoming. He says, don't be anxious about your life because God knows what you need. He cares for the sky, He cares for the flowers. He sees, you know, that we are so much more valuable than the reason and cares for us as such. We need to remember how much our God loves us and cares for us in our own situation. And to regularly be before Him in prayer, giving thanks, giving glory. And when we are anxious, when we are sad, when we are going through those challenges and those trials, when we, are, when we find ourselves in deep need, it is to God that we need to go first and foremost, not to the things which. You know, we, we so often turn to immediately because oftentimes it's those things that we, they, they, they're our idols. They're the things we put our hope and our confidence in our trust in. David says here very clearly, Lord, I do not trust in those idols with which others put their best trust and hope in. Do not be anxious about anything but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and know the peace that comes from peace abounding love and presence with you. Make prayer a priority. Quickly, leave your enemies to God and His judgment. Verses 14 to 18, David, because David's confidence trust in God again, where he says, you know, I trust in you, Lord. But I trust in you, verse 14. You know, twice we hear that verse from David's lips. Back in verse 6, Lord, I, I, I hope those who pay regard to their disciples, but I trust in you, Lord. But we also hear David's request to, for God to deal with his enemies. He says, Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently down into the grave or to steal. Let their lying lips be mute. You know, what I'm finding today is that we, we seem to be living in a culture where many people want to be the ones to silence their enemies. We want to be the ones who, who take, take revenge and vengeance on our enemies. And we can resort to in all manner of ways to doing this. We can do it through character assassination. We can do it through intimidation. Whatever ways we can, we can be people who want to, we want to take matters into our own hands. when it comes to seeking a sense of justice. And today in this world, we're seeing people who, who feel as though they're being unjustly treated and wanting to take matters into their own hands. But for the people of God, we need to be people who trust first and foremost in Him. Yes, we need to speak out against injustice, and we need to speak out against falsehood, but ultimately we need to trust that God will bring about His purposes, that He will hold everyone to account. And we're very, we're very happy for God to hold others to account, but what we need to realize is that God is also going to hold us to account as well. spoke about Jesus' words on the cross, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. But you know what else Jesus said as he hung there on the cross? With all his enemies hurling abuse at him, what were his words? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. The 
sort of leading uh, enemies to God in this day. And there are many times in David's life where he had the, op- the opportunity to take matters into his own hands, and David didn't do that. He trusted in God. And folks, we need to be people that are the same today. Finally, we need to encourage others with God's goodness and faith. Now, in the closing verses of this psalm, David testifies to God's salvation in verse 21 to 22, verse 30. He says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wonderfully shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my mind, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Therefore, love the Lord, all you his pastors, because the Lord preserves the past.
that people are, are trying to spread these pictures is uncertainty, there's confusion, there's, there's hurt, there's pain, there's, there's angst, there's division. We need not put our confidence in, in government. We need not put our confidence in vaccines or legislation or mass or whatever. Yes, we abide by what the government says because we, 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 we understand that they've been put in place by our God to care for us as a leader. But ultimately, that's not where our hope and our confidence lies. Our hope and our confidence lies in Jesus Christ, who is Himself our salvation. Amen? Amen. So let's pull together in Jesus' name. Let us not be at each other. Let us not be fearful. Let us not be overcome by all of the turmoil, but instead let us be people who encourage one another who say, let us be strong in the Lord and take courage in the Lord. And let us draw together and, and put our arms around one another rather than forming these little kind of isolated pockets, our little enclaves and saying, I don't agree with you, therefore you're my enemy. We can't do that as the people of God. Can we? We can't. I guess it's a sign of it. I'm We have such an opportunity at the moment as the people of God to be such a marvelous witness to the power and the grace and the mercy of God. Instead, what we're seeing now, I'm hearing it from pastors in all different places, is churches are fragmented. They're tearing each other apart. And I don't know what God has said, but he's thinking about such things where he sees his church and he sees what on earth is going on, people. What is going on? Yes, we will disagree on things. And we have such strong disagreements. But let us, as I said, let's not put our hope in the systems and the wisdom and the philosophies of man. But let us put in first and foremost in God. And let's live like it as the people of God, shall we? Yes. Our times are in His hands. Amen. Amen. And it is times of incredible uncertainty. And Lord, we find ourselves as people living in distress. Lord, grieving, sorrowing, fearful, anxious. But as your people, Lord, we can have a confident hope and trust in you as our refuge. Lord, 
Lord, to say Joseph, please to live like that, day by day. Lord, resisting the, the temptations of the enemy to, 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 to instead of trying seeds of, of division and disharmony, and that's the thing instead, Lord, of trying seeds that, 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 that encourage and lift up and point people to you. Lord, give us the strength to do that in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.